again, everybody. Uh, good to be with you. Thanks, Andrew, Nikki, everybody who's uh, who's helping us out. It would be good, actually, if you have got your Bibles there to, to open them at Philippians chapter two as we continue this uh, series letter from lockdown. But um, I want to start by just sharing two or three things that uh, I've heard in the last couple of days, um, which have encouraged me. There was an email that came into the good news at trinitycheltenham.com inbox from somebody saying that um, even though lockdown has been really hard, she says, I can honestly say that it's been a time of great personal refreshment for me in my faith. Uh, God has helped this, this person to refocus, to renew her relationship with Jesus, uh, to reset some of her, her practices. Uh, she talked about spending regular time each morning now with the Lord using some of the 714 um, prayer material, reading a couple of books, uh, getting into her journal, uh, talks about uh, spending time with her prayer, with, with her husband, uh, more regularly in prayer with a the triplet. They're, they're in some sort of small group uh, um, and they're praying more regularly together. And, and she ended like this. She said, I'm learning to slow down. And there's now a consistency that I've been lacking in my walk um, with the Lord that I'm really eager to maintain. And she says, I have a new joy. Just lovely to read that testimony. But the second thing was, um, was a, a WhatsApp conversation that I was in with our Kenyan pastor friends, where, and in Kenya, praise God, the spread of the virus actually itself is, is very low, but the lockdown restrictions are really tough to handle uh, in, in a culture like that, where there's no welfare state, um, and there are so many jobs being wiped out, and, and a real possibility, actually, of going very hungry indeed, of starvation, huge fear. But one of the pastors I was talking to said this, said, I'm so proud of the local church in this area. Are often very poor people themselves, but they are so selfless at the moment in serving and in sharing provisions with other families, in praying for them and in wanting to make a difference in the name of Jesus. A bit like those guys are doing in, in Macedonia. Let's give generously to that. And the third one uh, was just a brief email um, after Element got going, Element Online, which Andrew's just mentioned on Thursday evening, uh, 25 people connected via Zoom. It was a full screen. It was really great. Uh, and this person wrote um, the next morning just afterwards to me. And she said um, uh, that she'd really enjoyed receiving uh, and actually also contributing to that gathering of believers. And in the small group discussion, she said, uh, it felt as though I had ten new, made 10 new friends overnight. I was just very touched by that. So really good to hear these stories. And let's keep sharing them, by the way. And there are some common threads, aren't there, in all of those encouragements. But the one which struck me was the intentionality of all of them. Uh, that people making deliberate choices, people taking responsibility, exercising responsibility towards themselves, towards uh, the culture and people around them, uh, and also towards other followers of Jesus. And one of the things that I'm hearing quite a lot, maybe you are too, in all, in all that's going on at the moment, and it's all very mixed, obviously, uh, is people saying in this lockdown period, it's helping me to reevaluate uh, some things about my life and to check my priorities. And I don't want to miss this opportunity before things move on, to reset in some key areas. I wonder if, if that describes you. So a fortnight ago, Hills was uh, exploring from this letter to the Philippians just how we might reset our confidence in the gospel, wasn't she? Uh, David, last Sunday, uh, a reset of the heart. And here we are in Philippians 2, letter from lockdown. Paul is addressing today this issue of taking responsibility, being intentional. And he's encouraging the Philippian church to think and to pray. And I think effectively he's asking us this, this morning, do you need to reset your sense of responsibility? And exactly in those three same directions that those three stories I've just uh, told come from, towards ourselves, towards society, 
and towards the church. I have to say, uh, Paul, in his typical way, it's quite firm language, so fasten your seatbelts. But here, let's hear this, uh, th this, this question of resetting responsibility from the heart of a father who loves us. So first, if you've got your Bibles, verse 12 and 13, Paul says you are responsible for how you are doing in your relationship with God. And, and frankly, therefore, you're responsible for how you're doing in life because those two things are completely connected. He says, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it's God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. And I guess um, salvation is a pretty big word. Let's let's substitute it this morning for, for the word freedom. They're, they're kind of fairly close. And, and the heart of the gospel is that Jesus has set us free from a load of things. As we know, he set us free from the power of sin. He set us free from the power of guilt, from the power of addictions, the power of fears, from death itself. Free from those things. He set us free for a load of things, to enjoy a load of things, to, to begin to know God, to begin to experience his love, to discover our true selves, or in the words of, of verse 13 there, to fulfill God's good purposes for us. He set us free for those things and, and so much more. But with freedom comes uh, responsibility, comes accountability for our choices and for our attitudes and our actions. George Bernard Shaw, he said it like this, liberty means responsibility. And that's why most men and women dread it. I don't know if we dread it, but there's certainly responsibility attached. It seems to me that one of the most uh, toxic legacies of, of the fall is the culture of blame. There's nothing new or unique uh, to, to our time about that. We recognize this sin and rebellion. They, they entered the picture, didn't they? Uh, in, the, in the father's great perfect design uh, into, that, into the human bloodstream comes uh, this, this issue of, of blame. Uh, way back in the garden uh, when they ate the apple. So Adam blamed Eve, uh, Eve blamed the snake. The snake didn't have a leg to stand on, boom, boom. Uh, and blame comes into the equation. That, that ugly bit of human um, DNA, it's on show all around us, isn't it? Just, just check out Twitter if you haven't recently as a place where it's particularly, particularly nasty and, and toxic. So let's say there's a problem. What's the first question in our culture when there's a problem? It's never a what. What needs doing? It's never a why. Why has this happened? It's never a how. How can I best respond? It's always a who. Who's to blame for this? Who can I project my anger onto? Who can I project my fear onto? Who can I project my insecurity or my rejection or my or my unresolved pain onto to make myself just feel a little bit better for, for a second or two? It's the government's fault. They're always an easy target. Uh, it's it's my employer. It's the schools, it's the rich, it's my boss, it's uh, the church, it's the system, whatever that is. It's the other lot, whoever they are. Uh, it's my friends, it's my spouse, it might be my parents. Take your pick. Uh, and friends, we're not immune from this, are we? Uh, this blame culture, this victim mindset, it's at work. Whenever I take a problem or an issue that I'm facing and my main first instinct is to look for someone or for something to accuse to pin the blame on, to minimize the need for my own response or to, to, to be able to justify myself in some way. It's her fault, it's their fault, it's his fault. This happened to me because of X, Y, Z. And it might well be, bad stuff does happen. We do hurt each other. But the victim mindset then goes on, doesn't it? To, to the unspoken kind of next stage, which is this. It says, so um, I can't do anything unless they fix it, unless something better happens to me or somebody else comes up with a solution, I'm helpless. 
I'm powerless. So I'm going to give, as it were, the, the remote control to my life, to someone else, to the weather, to, 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 to my circumstances, uh, to, to, to my boss, to my spouse. And I'm going to continue to blame them for operating that remote control badly. That is so toxic, isn't it? Hear this carefully. Jesus will not allow us, his followers, to be victims ever. Now, sure, bad stuff happens to us, but we are never helpless. We are never powerless. And actually, that's incredibly liberating and good news, isn't it? We are responsible, says Paul. We are responsible. We're responsible for our own responses. We're responsible for our attitudes. We are responsible for our actions, for our lives in partnership with, with God the Helper. And so Paul is saying here in the context of our whole life, take responsibility for your relationship with God. Just that. Take responsibility for your own relationship with God. One day, we'll all have to give an account before him. And one of the issues will be, what did you do with my son, Jesus? What did you do with this gift of freedom that he bought for you? And then personally and specifically, he's saying the, this relationship with the Lord, these gifts of, of life and love and, uh, and freedom and grace, how are you working on them at the moment? Work them out. Work out your salvation doesn't mean obviously work for your, your freedom or for your salvation, but work at it, work on it, just like as you would in a marriage. You know, the marriage is, is a done deal. There's a, there's a ring around the finger, but now work it out, work on it, work at it to enjoy the, the richness and, and the depth and the potential and the blessing of, of that relationship. So Paul is saying, I, I can't, to the Philippians, I, I can't do it for you. I love you, but I can't do it for you. You're responsible for your growth. I'm not. And nor are your pastors, and nor is your church, and nor is your, your life group, and nor is your spouse, and nor is anybody else. You're responsible. They may be cheering you on, and that matters. And, and when you're stuck, and when you're hurt, or when circumstances are, are making things harder for you, and the journey of faith is harder for you, he's saying those things are still not responsible for your spiritual condition and, and the responses that you make. You are. And, and it's really liberating, but it's really serious too. Don't miss out on all that's on offer. Don't miss out on all that's on offer. I had a friend years ago. He was actually a very well-known rugby player. Became a well-known rugby player and a businessman. Uh, and he had made some kind of commitment to God. But he was also somebody uh, who, who kind of ran after some other gods as well. Uh, money and fame and a whole bunch of things. And one day into his head came this soundtrack. A saved soul but wasted life. Saved soul but wasted life. And he began to feel that it was actually God out of God's kindness saying to him yeah save soul but don't waste your life there's so much more that i want to to grow you in so much more that i want to give to you uh, and so he had a moment where he he, he began to uh, embrace god in, in a whole fresh way and, and see compromising it's god who works in you says paul you're not alone there's a partner he's called the holy spirit of the living god he resides within you he promises to lead and strengthen us but take responsibility for your relationship with the Lord. What is, what is your next step in that? We need a reset on that. I'm going to do the other two much more quickly. But second, he says, you, you've got a responsibility to the world around you. This is quite hard hitting, isn't it? And I don't think Paul's speaking with ju any judgment here, by the way, um, any more than Jesus did when he, when he wept over the state of the city, sheep without a shepherd. But in verse 15, if you've got your Bible there, it says, you guys, you live in a warped and crooked generation. It's been, it's been twisted out of shape. By, by greed and selfishness and pride and all that goes with not putting God at the, at the center of life. And we have a big responsibility towards that society, towards the people that we, that we rub shoulders with each day. And not, that we're, not that we're rubbing shoulders very much at the moment, but you know what I mean. Uh, to shine, he says, to shine among them like bright stars in a, in a dark night sky. Hard hitting, isn't it? 
I mean, we need to be careful not to not to read read it through the wrong filter. Paul, Paul is not saying we're the good guys, they're the bad guys, or um, you know, we're better, they're worse. It's not a moral judgment he's making here. It's a theological one. Those who have the Son have life. Those who do not have the Son of God don't have life, says John. And by the grace of God, we've been brought, we've been brought from death to life. If we've put our, our hand in the hand of Jesus and, and, and been born again, and the light of the world has taken up residence in us. And so Paul is saying, you've got a responsibility. We have a responsibility now. And do we need to reset in that area as we let that light shine into the, the darkness and the, and the deadness of, of the world around us with, with compassion? So challenging. How do, how do we do that? How do we look different for every generation? How does the church look and sound different from culture around us? Paul talks about, Paul gives one obvious example. He says, stop moaning. <laughs> that would be a great place to start, wouldn't it? Don't complain, don't grumble, verse 11. So counter to the, the negativity of culture. And what about not just in our lifestyle, but on, on our lips as well? Holding out the word of life. I, I read this from Matthew Paris. Some of you will know he's, he's not a Christian. He really writes in the Times and he wrote this. A little while ago, he says the New Testament offers a picture of a God who sent his son to earth and has good plans for our lives, who knows each of us personally and can communicate directly with us, with whom we can form a direct relationship and who offers to us the prospect of eternal life and afterlife in happy and blissful and glorious circumstances. Friends, this is Matthew Paris saying, if I believe that or even a tenth of that, how could I care which version of the prayer book is being used? I would drop my house, I'd drop my job, I'd sell my house, I'd throw away my possessions. I would leave my acquaintances and set out into the world, burning with the desire to know more, to know him, and then to act on it and to tell others. Oh, that really striking. Do we need to reset in this area of, of our responsibility towards our wider world? Another beautiful testimony actually came in just last night from somebody in the Trinity family. Just briefly, she'd found herself um, wandering around the town quite late in the evening, two nights ago. Uh, wasn't in a great place her, herself, but came across a young person, homeless person, actually, who was very angry and quite threatening initially. But they got chatting and that, that homeless person's um, heart began to, to soften and he started crying. He spoke about his life and he spoke about the mess that he'd made. And he ended up asking Jesus into his life just two nights ago. And, uh, and the Trinity friend was able to, to make a few phone calls and sort out some accommodation for him. So good, so amazing to, to hear. Paul invites us to think about resetting our sense of responsibility towards ourselves, our relationship with God, and then uh, towards society that is lost and, and dark around us. And then thirdly, even more briefly, just touch on this, because it's a theme that Paul touches on all through this letter, we'll come back to it. Our responsibility towards each other in his family, in the church. We've seen it in chapter one, uh, and then again, chapter two, earlier on in this chapter, uh, David was looking at it last week. Uh, Paul sets the, the, the standard high in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Jesus. Totally loving, totally humble, taking the nature of a servant, paying, paying the highest price of all. Then Paul speaks about himself here in, in the passage we've just got, doesn't he? About his own love for these brothers and sisters. He uses a couple of, of word pictures. He talks about, I've been running the race for you. I've been laboring for you. I've poured out, I, I feel like I'm poured out like a drink offering. That's the language of sacrifice for you in serving you. And of course, as I serve you, I serve Jesus is what he's saying to love. Jesus means loving people, loving his people. Can't have one without the other. And all of those images, they, 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 they're, they're full of energy, aren't they? They're full of uh, kind of vigour and, and hard work, working hard, paying a price, serving this group of people, but with great joy. 
and out of great love, not out of uh, some sort of dry obligation. Is that where we're at in our responsibility towards one another in God's family of the church? We get to hear about two other people. Read, please read on uh, in, in this chapter, by the way. We hear about two other people, a Timothy and an Epaphroditus, and Paul's uh, relationship with them, some beautiful insights into them, and also this commendation for them of their hard work, their sacrifice, the way they love others in the family of God, care for them with, with courage and with compassion, with, with dedication and so on. So it all feels like a very high bar, and I'm not going to pretend that it's not uh, challenging because loving it is hard. But it starts with this mindset, this, this, this recapturing of a sense of responsibility under God. I'm called to love by the grace of God and out of the Father's love for me. I'm called to love. And, and usually, friends, it's not in the big dramatic ways, is it? Just a thousand small acts of mercy or kindness or forgiveness or thoughtfulness or whatever. Uh, my WhatsApp group with, with one of the groups I'm involved in here at Trinity is just alive at the moment with beautiful ways of loving, just in little ways. I'm so sorry to hear that you, you're redundant. How can I help? How about this book? Have you read this? Here's a scripture. Here's a, uh, an encouragement. Here's a prophetic word I've got for you. Just lots and lots of ways, small ways of just loving each other. Such an attractive thing. So friends, we have responsibilities is the message today. I hope, I hope we're getting it loud and clear. And, and the question is, do we need to reset them? In any way, is God encouraging us to reset them as we partner with, with him? And wherever we may need a reset in all of that, uh, as we just take that conversation to the Lord, whether it's to ourselves, our own relationship with God, whether it's to the wider society around us, whether it's to each other in the family of faith, let's take heart, let's take hold of God's grace to help us and let's ask him to help us take a next step. Amen. Let's pray. Let's close our eyes. You might want to put a hand on a heart your own heart that is father uh thank you that you're always for us thank you that you're always cheering us on thank you lord for this reality that there is so 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 much more that you want to invite us in to fulfill your good purposes as paul puts it here and our circumstances may be strange and difficult but lord thank you for the glorious freedom that is always ours because of connection with you and because of that love and because of your grace and would you bless us and and help us lord in the way that we see that relationship with you would you fill us again with your spirit to walk with you to drink from the fountain of grace and truth that is in you would you bless us lord as we look out on a wider world in compassion not judgment but recognizing that it's dead not alive when it's not when it when it's not in connection with the, the lord of life and lord in the way that we love and serve and bless one another would you renew us and reinvigorate us thank you jesus for asking all these things in your precious name amen